Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching with TBA rabbinic intern Rachel Cohn. I think this may be the the last scheduled thing I I have right now on the um you know, I've kind of they've like extended my some internship things I've been able to be involved with over the summer and the new round of the the <clears throat> rabbinic residents, I believe is the is the term they're using in the coming iteration of the program, um, are starting in August. So um so anyway, this time had me kind of reflecting on on the past year with Beth Am and I think nicely nicely fits with this part of the of the Torah that we're reading, where Moshe is in his his stretch in in Deuteronomy, the book of Devarim, where he's he's looking back on the journey that they've been on. He's encouraging other people to look back on the journey they've been on. Um, and so this this piece that I that I picked out from Parshat Akev today is is ultimately at least what was drawing me to it about reflecting on journeys that we see in the text or or our own lives as you know in whatever span of time it it that makes sense for you right now so we're jumping in um if you have the sheet great if you don't also great we'll be in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2 so um <clears throat> i'll read this first line and then you know we'll have questions and and conversation interspersed so uh, Moshe is relating to the people again in this section as he's, you know, preparing to not enter the promised land and prepare them to to go on and be a thriving people without them. This is in his his many, many speeches and sections of advice. He says, remember the whole path that God uh, has made you travel in the wilderness these past 40 years, that God might test you by hardships to learn what was in your hearts, whether you would keep God's commandments or not. So. What what I imagine is, you know, part of part of what's going through Moshe's mind here is a lot of that past 40 years has not been easy and it's it might be tempting for the people to uh, to sugarcoat, to overlook certain parts of it. And he's reminding them to remember the whole path, highs, lows, mediums, everything that they've been on together. Um, so I'm just curious to hear from you what what your natural inclinations tend to be. If you go on a road trip, a, a trip, a program, a conference, anything, you come back and people say, how was it? Um, do you tend to, to recount the highs, the lows, the everything? What what What's your usual style? I think we talk about the, the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Lows. I mean, I mean, I like, I, I have all, con- I used to be a whitewater guide. I don't tell anybody about the successful whitewater trips I guided. <laughs> I tell about the disasters, the boats I wrapped around trees, the people I pulled out of the water. That's what I describe. That's the way life works. Yeah. You don't, well, you don't talk about the good trips. You talk about the disaster trips. Even as you're mentioning it right now, I'm drawn in to say, oh, wow, that, you know, that sounds adventurous. Tell me more. Um, Yeah. So those are some of sometimes the, you know, it's like person walks down the street and does random acts of kindness. That's not always what's making the headlines in part because the kind of, you know, the challenging stuff is sometimes what draws us in and what we remember too. Um, Okay. Other, other thoughts? Uh, This is my reason. I'm a little different from Brent. Mm -hmm. I come back from a trip. 
I tell people the good things, mm-hmm. you know, the fun things. And nowadays with the, uh, you know, with the internet, my family and friends, I send them pictures so they know where I'm going. You know, and I tell them what's so it's a little different. Right, right, right. <laughs> Um, so, so a taste, a taste of either end of things that you might be drawn to, you know, kind of highlight the positive or highlight or highlight the negative. Uh, was there another hand? Back racks? Yeah, back racks. Um, I, I think I remember the good stuff in the sense of you may not remember the bad stuff immediately, but you want, you want to remember the good stuff because that's, 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 that's life. And mm-hmm. when you're looking back at stuff, that is, that is part of the, the thing you look forward to and thankful for. For, for having that, the thanks for having that opportunity to see or do whatever you needed to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think that those, um, that's often what keeps us going, you know, like the remembering the, the beautiful parts and the highlights that, you know, like sometimes the problems that come up on a trip, you know, I'll try to think in, you know, in five days, will this matter in five weeks will this matter? But like the good stuff, the good stuff does matter like years down the road. Um, so, you know, so I imagine that if you picture Moshe speaking to all of the Israelites, they had their own, you know, mix of inclinations of the people who would have said, oh, like we left Egypt and it was so hot. We never had enough food. Da, 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 da. And then the other, you know, other groups of people who would get to the promised land and, you know, almost um, discount all of the hardships that they went through along the way. Oh, we got here. It's all good now. Oh, sweet. We have our, you know, our, our own land. So, so when I see this line of saying, remember the whole path, I kind of picture him speaking to people on, on any, any part of that spectrum saying it, you know, it's, it's all worthy of being solidified in our, in our memory together. So um, any other thoughts or questions on that verse before we go to the next one? All right. So immediately after that, the next verse, uh, Moshe goes on saying, God subjected you to the hardship of hunger and then gave you manna to eat, which neither you nor your fathers had ever known was a new thing. No one knew what manna was before that. Okay. Um, In order to teach you that a person does not live on bread alone, but that a person may live by all that comes from the mouth of God. So we'll unpack this. Um, metaphorically in a, in a second, but just to kind of um, take this, <clears throat> this section of the verse at face value for a second, I see this as an extension kind of of what was being said in, in the first verse on our sheet, saying a person doesn't live on bread alone, a person lives by all that comes from the mouth of God. So if you're only going to remember God giving you the manna, you're not going to remember the part where you're hungry and kind of vice versa. If you, you know, if you only remembered you were hungry without the manna, that's not a, a full picture of the story either. So, so Moshe is saying, yes, a person lives on the bread that you're getting from God, but also by every word, law, any, any other part of the discourse that comes from God, which, you know, includes, as we've seen, like sometimes God is happy with the people. Sometimes God is not happy with the people, but, but, this is Moshe making a plea to everybody to say all of that, all of your relationship with God on that journey is is important to hold on to. So um, to now unpack this, because, um, <clears throat> you know, in this section, we do we we read about the importance of food and the the blessings that that Rabbi Klingfeld was speaking about. So 
there's, you know, there's a lot of different dimensions of eating food and how it nourishes us physically, spiritually, et cetera, that go into this, this portion. Um, and one commentary along those lines that intrigued me is this, is this little, um, nugget of midrash I included at the bottom of the source sheet, if you have it. Um, and if you don't, I will, I will read it out loud. It's part of a larger commentary on places where the word all comes up. And when it says all, what does it mean? Are you including this and this good and bad, etc.? So this is kind of one piece riffing on this idea of, of um, what does it, you know, when it, when all comes up, because it's commenting on what we just read in um, chapter eight, verse three, a person um, lives by all that comes from the mouth of God. Okay. So this section of the Midrash, uh, Sifre Devarim, one of the rabbinic <clears throat> commentaries, added story layers, etc., on this book of Deuteronomy. Um, Thus it is written, quoting the verse we just read, to make it known that you live not through bread alone, um, to make it known to you that not through bread alone shall a man live. Bread is Midrash, like the thing that it's appearing in itself. Um, all that comes forth from the mouth of God shall a person live. That refers to halakhot laws and agadot stories. Um, so interestingly, this rabbinic commentary takes that line about bread that could be seen very literally as, you know, like you're surviving on, on bread, mana, the food that they got and turns it into, um, surviving on different dimensions of holy texts, which is, is very, you know, like, the rabbis like thinking that these texts that they're reading and writing and engaging with are, are very critical to survival. So they're, they're making that very, you know, kind of concrete here. Uh, so I wanted to take a moment before we, th- you know, like kind of apply it more metaphorically to the journey uh, and whatnot again. Um, let's just compare and contrast those three different types of texts that they mentioned to see if we can tease out different threads that they might be getting to. Okay. So the three different kind of texts that that um, this piece mentioned again were midrash, which is rabbinic commentary. If people um, have questions about these different sort of categories of texts I'm naming, um, I'm happy to talk more broadly about about what they are. But you know, let's say for now, midrash is kind of like this slice that we're getting here. The rabbis reading in layers of symbolism and extra stories into um, into usually biblical texts, um, halakha laws, the commandments about how to interpret the rules, basically, um, and Agadah, which is stories, which can be a part of Midrash and can, you know, can appear in a number of, of different ways. Um, so if you're thinking about like the Jewish canon, um, do you see these as all functioning similarly? How are they, how do they add different pieces to our understanding of Judaism? Joanna? So um, I'll start with Halachot and Agadot and then go back to Midrash. So I think Halachot leads us towards like a disciplined life, which I think there's merit to that sense of discipline, that sense of allegiance. And also it brings about a certain sense of communal standard that like to have a functioning society, you know, I might, you know, sort of develop a system that works for me and you might develop a different system that works for you. And they might both be good systems, but in, in the same town, we can't have people both driving on the right side of the road and on the left side. So it, 
it leads to a personal di- discipline life, but also a sense of building community when you have when you have that. Agadot, I think, are what give us our values, right? Like from those stories, we derive values. And then when we talk about Midrash and rabbinic interpretation, to that is the ongoing legacy, that there is a sense of evolution, there's a sense of needing to apply it and adapt it to our own times, and that Torah isn't a static thing. Um, beautiful. So many interesting layers. Um, out of curiosity, Joanna, if we're going to go back to kind of putting this, this mentality back onto the, uh, a person can't live on bread alone and like bread being midrash, like I'll open this to Joanna or anybody else. Like, it's interesting to me that, that bread kind of the basic substance that when they assign to, um, to Midrash, like in my mind, if I were to take a guess, I would maybe give that like halakha, kind of like Joanna was was saying that that's like kind of a, a provide structure basis. Um, yeah, anybody have another two cents about why uh, Midrash was the one that they might be comparing to bread? Because I, I mean, I, I first of all, you're listening to the unwashed and uneducated here, but I would say that the um, a midrash and agadot is what gives you the passion. Mm. Without that, the law is useless. Mm-hmm. It's what the stories are what inspire you to pursue the practice of halakha. So that's why it's given a predominance over over the laws themselves because it's the stories that inspire mm-hmm. that that turn the heart that allow the heart to then follow the law. Right. I'm thinking based on what you're saying. You know, like when you go to a nice restaurant and they have the bread basket. They, that's what they give you first to kind of like entice you before you get to anything else or you think about ordering vegetables. If you're going to, it's like, that's the, that's what might, might bring you in kind of like the, um, the values that you're <clears throat> describing that might, you know, r- pull us in when we're reading Agatha. Um, beautiful. Joanna, do you have another comment or is your hand just still raised from before? No, I, I mean, I'm, I, I can respond to that, but I see that Marlise is also raising her hand okay. and she didn't have a chance to speak. So. You know, I'm happy to hear what Marlisa has to say. And then if there's time, I'm happy to share another thought. Great. Okay. So let's go to, let's go to Marlise. Okay. Oh, thank you. Um, I guess I, I, I would guess the commentator believes that Halakha and Agadah are coming from the mouth of God more so than Midrash. It's Midrash mm-hmm. is more of individual people's, um, commentary or guessing or imagining about what's going on, even mm-hmm. though they, so- so good point. If we're looking back to you can't live on bread alone, you have to live from anything that comes from the mouth of God. It's almost like the bread was the easy part and and the rest of what came from God is like maybe the harder stuff, some of like the halakha comparison and just yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of trying to looking at I mean at least from the, what the tradition says it is you know, commandments are from God and the stories in the Torah, I mean the Torah is from God and then Midrash is later. Mm-hmm. So. Right. So that was right. That was kind of my my second follow up question um, on on the sheet, the like second sub bullet point um, saying, are the are these even all words of God? Like they're commenting on a, a, a verse about everything coming from the mouth of God. But, you know, at least where I'm sitting, like Midrash is the uniquely rabbinic human like element that gets added in. So that's also it's, that's intriguing to me that that they're. Um, that they're viewing it in that way. You know, we can say it's divinely inspired, but 
I think, mm-hmm. you know, even the rabbis will agree that that's, that's, you know, some rabbis take on this text and, and that midrash. So, so yes, very, um, thank you for pointing that out. It's a fascinating element here too. Uh, Teibel? It's actually a question because, um, not all teachers that I've had, but some teachers are careful to say that the full term is midrash halacha and midrash agada, which means that midrash yeah. isn't separate from either. I mean, I couldn't tell. Was it meant to be sometimes commentators do a word play on what the root is, but that didn't seem to work. So I just felt I wasn't understanding yeah. the distinction. Okay. So let's, if I had a whiteboard, what I would do here is I'd put Midrash, Halakha, and Agadah. And underneath Midrash, I would make two branches. And within Midrash, there's two subcategories, which is Midrash Halakha. That's more, it's, you know, it adds interpretation and sometimes wordplay and puns. There's wordplay in, in like kind of all kinds of Midrash. But um, Midrash Halakha providing more commentary on kind of like either line by line how the text is going or the halakhic implications for what comes out of it. And then Midrash Agadah is more of the straight up adding um, layers of stories. But separate from the genre of Midrash altogether is, you know, just halakhic works that say, how do you know, when do I light my candles on Friday night? This is when you would do it and, and how you would do it. Um, and Agadah can sometimes refer to the stories that appear in Midrash, but could also more broadly be interpreted as story, you know, stories that themselves, like the creation story, you could say is a story, that kind of thing. Does that answer your question at all? Yes. Okay. Um, awesome. Great clarification point. Um, okay. Let's, um, Joanna, I'm going to like add kind of a, a maybe closing piece and then open it up for whatever else is on people's mind. Is that, is that cool? Um, all right. So, <clears throat> you know, we've named these, these different aspects of each of these three kinds of texts. The point again, that they're getting back to is a person can't live on whatever item or category of texts alone, but lives by all that comes from the mouth of God. So my, my closing question for you is kind of how do, do any of these different threads of, of Judaism how can they help people live? And of these three kinds of things we've named, like what for you is personally sustaining? If you're imagining Judaism to be, you know, maybe not as literally as the mana, but something that, that, you know, we've seen even in this challenging year has kept people going. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to hear from you how in general, any of these categories you, you might think might keep people sustained um, or to, to share personally, um, if any of those three categories is, is what really speaks to you. I mean, if no one ha- else has anything to, to share on that, I will say that for me, like when I think about, you know, living through this pandemic, I really think it's rabbinic innovation that has gotten us through, you know, the flexibility of our rabbis and leaders to say that, We have to adapt Judaism to a reality that we have never experienced before. And there has to be some flexibility, innovation, creativity in how we go about doing that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, interestingly, um, when you were sharing before, it it almost sounded like you were making a case for um, like halakha being unifying. And now you're, you're also kind of pointing out the ways that 
that changes, you know, w- within the halakhic system in at least the conservative movement's case also has been what's like kept people going. Um, so that, you know, it's interesting. I, like what, what I hear kind of from your sharing both of those pieces is at different times and in different ways, different aspects of these of com- com- components have been what's um, essential to keep us going. So what I was going to draw before, yeah. and it's all the more relevant now, an analogy to a house where I see um, Halakha and Agadah as the foundation and then Midrash and the rabbinic um, interpretation is the house that's built upon it. So on the one hand, you can have a house without a foundation. But on the other hand, if you only build a foundation and not a house on top of that, you also don't have anything. Um Beautiful. I love that imagery. Anybody else want to um, to say how how you see it, how it makes sense to you? Marlies? I guess I would just say that within this, during this past period of time, it's been sustaining for me to, in different settings like this, be able to discuss, you know, these, these you know, both halakha, agada, and then Mm-hmm. Our own, have our own commentary about it. Your, your own midrash as yeah. it emerges, yeah. hot off the press. <laughs> um, thank you for that, Marlies. It's been um, I've enjoyed being able to to connect with folks. Also, um, you know, I've been I've been in the uh, the, the satellite campus of Beth Am in Chicago suburbs. So, um, so that's been a, a nice perk. Uh, so I'll I'll just leave you again with you know the words we started with to remember the whole path and to remember these, you know, not living on bread alone, living by all that comes from the mouth of God, that, that there's, there's so many different strands of what that, those holy words, um, sacred communities, you know, that, that can mean so many different things for so many people. And we, we have a lot of different tools in our Jewish toolbox that I hope, we will all continue to draw on to build, you know, that the house that Joanna described and the the um, the totality of a Jewish experience that that works for us um, and brings some of that that wholeness, the whole path um, that we're that we're trying to hold on to in our collective memory. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.